0: Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Uh, <laughs> uh, so has anybody heard what went on in Asbury at the university in February? Anybody uh, pay attention to that a little bit? Uh, it was kind of unique what was going on there, right? Uh, in starting, uh, I think it was February 8th. And I love this part about it. Like, there was no celebrity in this thing. Uh, the, the guy who, who spoke that morning at the chapel service, he said uh, that he gave a remarkably mediocre uh, talk. <laughs> he was like, it was rushed. It wasn't well, like, put together. It wasn't well delivered. Um, and so he gets off the stage and he's like, I'm terrible. And then what happens was, it was around 19 students decided that they were going to stay and pray for each other after the chapel service. And so they, they stayed, and they uh, started just confessing things in their life that they needed to confess, asking Jesus to come. And they were there for like an hour, a little bit more than an hour. And they could just tell that something different was happening. Uh, and, and so they they started texting friends that were in classes, you know, uh, hey, you need to leave your class and, and come and see what it is that's going on, which college students probably didn't need that excuse. But, you know, uh, they did ask permission, at least, according to the professors. So they left and, and uh, people started piling back into uh, the auditorium that where, where they had ch- their chapel service. And what started was this crazy thing that went on for, I think it was like 16 or 17 days, 24 hours a day of students leading worship and prayer without end. All day and all night, thousands of people ended up flying into this small little town in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, uh, to experience it, uh, and walked away just kind of shocked by how God was moving through these 18 to 22-year-old's in a way that was just unique to them it wasn't uh the way that uh you know maybe a 50 year old would have done it uh and in fact there's some great stories of uh other people leaders coming and and offering to help and these college students being like well that i appreciate that but we really need to pray and like ask the holy spirit to fill you before we'll let you up these are people who've been doing it for 30 years and it wasn't from like a place of like ego. It was just from a place of, no, this is important. This is special. And if we're going to do this well, then we need to make sure that we're going to Jesus well. And apparently what's happened is that this has spread to some other college campuses and there's, there's places that are seeing uh, the Holy Spirit just really bringing renewal uh, into their space. And Uh, It's been on the news. Uh, It's been around pastors, theologians, Christians are talking about it all the time. Uh, And so out of kind of that, Sarah and I went to this conference this week. And it was a pastor's conference. And so we're there. And of course, they're talking about Asbury and when I first got there, I flew in on Tuesday after uh, being with one of our kids who was sick and trying to get work done and just feeling like frazzled to the max. And so I finally get there. Sarah picks me up. She's already been there for a couple of days. Uh, and we go to the first session. And all the people on stage are talking about like, what if God did something like that? Like, what if, what if, what if? Uh, And they were saying that as they were prepping for the conference, that they just felt like there was an expectation that God was going to do something, uh, which would be really great, right? Uh, But what was interesting was that, so then the service started, you know, the session started, worship started. And like, I've been to this conference before. It's, It's very nice and it's extremely produced, you know, like, they got all the things, all the bells and whistles, like everything's really well produced. Uh, so it sounds really nice, but it's hard to get away from the concert feel. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like a concert the whole time. Except for this time, it didn't. And they didn't pay attention to their timer clocks that told them that they needed to walk off the stage. And they just kept worshiping. And I was like, this feels different. Like something is actually going on and so during worship people started weeping uh which this is like not holy spirit necessarily friendly space so like it was a little interest like what is going on and then they started crying out in intercession loudly uh in the middle of the the worships it was just there was just a sense of the holiness of god it was really powerful and the speaker gets up and he just starts praying and he, he asked like people do you want more And he invited people, like, if you want more, open up your hands. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And so I was like, yeah, of course, duh. Like, I'm in, right? Uh, (laughs) I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to say yes to this. So I stood up, and I I put my hands out, and I was like, okay, Jesus, let's see. Let's see what you're up to. Uh, And it was good. But what I found out over the next 48 hours was that I wasn't actually ready for more. I was ready for God to do something for me, but I wasn't ready for him to actually do the things in me and for me to do the things that I needed to do to be ready for him to come and to move. So let me pause there, and we'll keep going with that in a minute. But this morning, I want to look at the last book in the Old Testament. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew and then flip back two pages. That's the easiest way to find Malachi. Uh, We're going to be in Malachi all morning. And Malachi is this conversation between God and Israel that is not gentle or kind, (laughs) and that is filled with sarcasm. So if you like sarcastic uh, debates, it's good for you. It's not gentle conversation. God says something, and then immediately Israel will snap back, like, oh, really, God, let me tell you what I think about that thing that you're saying. It's delivered to this religious people who honestly have lost their religion, who have still, they still do the things, like they still go through the steps, but like that's where it ends. And they're not doing it because they find it meaningful. They're doing it because they're the Israelites and this is how they live life. It's just part of their their process each day. Their sacrifices and worship it has little to do with God and a lot to do with just doing what was expected. And so Malachi has these six or seven conversations between the Israelites and God. And every time that God says something about himself, the Israelites immediately respond and they kind of scoff at him and say, really? That's not how I'm experiencing you. Immediately, that's what they come back with. And then they turn away. And that's how it begins from the very first verses of this book. So let's look at Malachi 1.1. 1, 1. It says, this is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I have always loved you, says the Lord. But you say, really? How have you loved us? I've always loved you. Really? How? Prove it. Have you realized in following Jesus that there is always a temptation to reject God's love? There's always that temptation sitting out there. Esau Macaulay is a theologian. He wrote that our relationship with God is not an infatuation. Anyone who has remained a Christian over the long haul knows that commitment, not mere enthusiasm, is love fully matured. Anyone who's remained a Christian knows that commitment is love fully matured. So, unpause. So, Wednesday, Sarah flies out super early in the morning. I try to sleep in, then I go to the conference. And I'm there by myself, and I go to this first session, and it, it was really good. It was with, uh, if you guys remember last summer, we did in our small groups a, a series, all the small groups did a series on being naturally supernatural and the Holy Spirit, and so it was with the people who did that series. Uh, so I was excited to go and to to hear them and to see what what they were going to talk about, and it was about spiritual warfare, Um, so a little light conversation, right, Uh, just, you know, just a little casual stuff that they're throwing out there, Uh, and then I go to the main session, and uh, the the speaker starts talking about how his wife got dramatically healed uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, And she was in her 30s, and she almost died. She was, like, losing control over her body, basically. Um, And uh, through a series of, like, prayer and counseling and and whatnot, they felt like it was actually a generational curse that was affecting her, that it affected other women in her family. And so she got prayer and was, like, immediately healed, Um, which is crazy, right? Amazing. Um, and so like this is going on um, And this is a church planning conference by the way Like this is not what I expected the, the conference to be like and so after that, I, I go to a lunch that's for Vineyard folks. And uh, Jay Pathick, the national director, speaks. And he invited people to stand if they wanted the Holy Spirit to empower them when they share about Jesus with other people to see other people come to know Jesus. And I was like, sure, yeah, of course. Like, I'm in. So I stand up and got prayer. And a friend comes over and prays for me. Uh, and it was good. And then this guy comes over and, and he like told he was like i just felt like the holy spirit was saying and honestly i don't remember all the things that he said because it did not connect with me at all and it was one of those awkward moments where i'm like huh yeah that's great thank you and i did the smile and nod a little bit because i was like i don't it was something about like high school and i was like i'm not that young i don't like i don't know what you're talking about the one thing that i remember was he said tell your story and i was like okay Thanks, smiled and nod that I was like, oh, I'm out. I, I don't know what to say in this conversation right now. So I go through the rest of the day without anything happening. Uh, just like normal, good stuff. Uh, and then I get to dinner with 20 other vineyard pastors from the Northeast. And I started to have a panic attack. I freaked out. And like, I've never had one before. I'm not even quite sure that that's what it is, but that's the closest thing I could say. And so I'm in this like super professional environment at a restaurant and I am literally losing my stuff inside. And so I'm texting Sarah and I'm like, please pray. I have no idea what's happening to me. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so I'm trying to have like nice polite conversations. You know, I'm trying to like just act normal and inside all that I'm thinking is, I want to go back to my hotel, reschedule my flight for tomorrow morning, and leave. I want out. I can't do this. Like, I just, I can't. I'm gone. So I make it through dinner uh, without having a scene, which was good. Uh, And then I go back to my hotel, and I texted a few other folks to pray. Sarah and I talked and prayed. And by that point, I was fairly aware that this was spiritual, not physical, and i i knew by that point i was like okay this isn't physical i know that this is spiritual i'm aware that something's going on here and so i like get to my hotel room and i like close it off and i get my bible and i get uh, i put on some worship music and, and i start to pray and i'm like okay god what the heck are you doing like what in the world is happening to me right now okay pause So the first temptation from Malachi is to say, God, how have you loved us? And if you don't deal with this temptation, let me tell you what comes next. Because the attitude that says, how have you loved us, leads us to a place of casually throwing away what God's offering to us. Look at verse 6 from Malachi 1. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect that I deserve? You've shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how? How have we ever shown contempt for your name? Several other translations uh, translate this as saying, how have we despised your name? And there's always a temptation to casually despise God. The word despise here means to treat as insignificant, expendable, and of little value. I don't know if you've ever experienced in a relationship, I'm sure actually all of us have, a moment where there's a slight disconnect, and then it spirals into something huge in your mind or in your heart. For instance, I know that all of us are much more rational and less emotional than this, but have you ever had somebody hang up on you, but not actually hang up on you? Like they probably just like drove out of cell service or their battery died. But What happens in your head at that moment? They hang up and you're like, I was telling you something important. How dare you ever do this to me? I can't believe our friendship's over. Our marriage is over. I'm done with this. You know, like mic drop, walk out. And you get yourself so like worked up. And then finally, like they call you back and you're like, I'm so sorry. I ran out, you know, I was driving through the mountains of West Virginia. Like I don't, I just ran out of cell service. And you're like, yeah, that's what I thought. You know, and you're like, yeah, I didn't quickly spiral out of control at all. Like, I don't know what you're talking about here. What's it look like for that to happen with our relationship with God? For us to start to casually despise God because of of something that just starts to spiral and go and go and go. There's three ways that I think that this can happen. Probably more than this, but at least three. We could treat God as insignificant. He's an afterthought. He's someone whose opinion we don't need to worry about or inquire of. We don't give God our best. Malachi 1.8, right after these verses says, try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. God got a little spicy with that comeback. Like, try giving gifts like that and see how that one goes over. You would never go to a potential boss or your actual boss and give them a half-drunk bottle of wine or a food basket that's already been obviously opened or an electronic that's obviously been used and dented, right? That would be career suicide. Don't do that if you were thinking about it. That would be bad. So why do we do the equivalent of that to God? Why do we give God things that we would never give to somebody else? Is he of such little value to us? And the third thing that we can do is that we can take God's goodness for granted. We can treat it as something that we can grab when we need. But what's the rush? God will be there later on when it's more convenient, when I want to. What's the rush? I don't need to have any urgency in my grab for grace. I can go do what I want to do and God will still be there afterwards. We can take his goodness for granted. So unpause. So I'm in my hotel room and I start writing and I said, God, what the heck is going on? That was, that's verbatim. Um, and I said, I'm trying not to run away, but everything inside of me is screaming that I need to and I paused and I just sat there and then I just started writing down what I felt like was coming to me and so I I felt like Jesus was saying Stephen I'll always welcome you home the question is will you actually come inside the house you've tried to be as close as possible without actually coming in but will you come in for the party I've been planning it for you you're the one keeping yourself out not me so then I'm crying and a few minutes later as I'm praying this verse comes through my head Uh, you take no delight in sacrifice or offerings it felt a little random but I went with it I looked it up and it was Psalm 40 that I was thinking about and I read it in the New Living Translation then the NIV and it still wasn't clicking with me and then I switched to the message and I read it in there and here's what it says do something, doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party that you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life, became, ver- became part of my very being. I'm coming to the party that you're throwing for me. So I'm journaling, and I feel like Jesus tells me that he had already thrown it for me. The question is, will I come in? And then this random verse goes through my head that leads me to a verse that says a response to come on in. Like sometimes Jesus is slap you upside the head clear, right? There was no question what was going on at that point. Like, it was like, okay, I get it. I get it. There's a theologian who wrote that it's the undeniable love of God in Jesus that when properly understood, transforms our hearts from reluctant worship to joyful praise. Grasping the gospel turns us from haters of God into those whose chief delight is to glorify and enjoy God. I would say, grasping the gospel turns us from casual, unknowing at times, haters of God, into those whose chief delight is to glorify and enjoy God. Friends, if you don't deal with these temptations up to this point, I could tell you what comes next. The attitude that says, how have you loved us, leads quickly to a place of casually throwing away with God's offering, which leads to, why am I the only one trying in this? And Malachi 3.6 says this, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Like, subtle. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? I don't change. How can we return when we've never gone away? The parallelism here in this and the verses that follow, it's so obvious. God is unchanging. God is consistent. God remains the same. And in the same way, We are unchanging. We keep saying and doing the same stupid things and pushing Him away and walking away from Him and doing things that are despicable and and abhorrent and that lead us to places of of almost hating God. And yet, in our unchangingness and in God's unchangingness, His grace still remains strong. He still remains strong. And so I'm praying Psalm 40, and it ends with this in the message. In me, I'm a mess. I'm nothing and have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes, but God, don't put it off. You can do it. You've got what it takes, but God, don't put it off. And so I just kept repeating that as I was sitting there in my room, just praying that over and over again. God, I'm nothing i have nothing but you can do something and do it please really really fast <laughs> and i kept praying that and i felt like he came and met me in that and i calmed down i was able to go to sleep thankfully and i woke up the next morning and i felt fine but i was a little nervous i'm not gonna lie i was a little nervous it was like What's going to happen today? Like, I'm not quite sure I'm up for this, Jesus. Um, and so I go to the conference, and I, I went to uh, the breakout from the the people who I went to the day before. To the, it was different uh, content, but and so I go up to him afterwards, and I had met the guy, and I was like, Hey, could you pray for me? And you know, he's like, I have one minute. I will pray for you for one minute. And so he prayed for me, which was nice and, and kind of him. And then he's like, you know, you should go into that room. Uh, they're, they're praying for people in there. So I was like, okay. Uh, I actually did. I listened to him. <laughs> and I went over there. When I got there, I found out that it, it wasn't a prayer room. It was actually a uh, like a prayer station thing. So it was like a walkthrough with stops to pray about like the world and other things, which is not what I wanted at that point at all, like I wanted somebody to come and pray for me and make it all better, Uh, that's what I was wanting, (laughs) so once again, not getting what I want, Um, and so I was like, but I'm here and I have nothing to do for 25 minutes, so I'm gonna do it, and so I walked through and I paused enough at certain stations to look like I was actually doing it, and I was not, Um, you guys are seeing the real truth today, huh? Uh, and so, but I go through and I get to the end and there was a prayer room and it was like a closet. It was super tiny. It was really uncomfortably tiny. And there was five chairs and four people were sitting in them already. And so like, and, and like to go into the room, you like bump into the chairs. And so like I turned the corner and I bumped into the chair and I was like, and they were like, all heads bowed, eyes closed. Except for one woman who had a smile on her face that said, get out. <laughs> and she was like, ha, 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 And like, so I'm standing there and I'm like, I'm uncomfortable at this point. And I'm really not sure what to do because I'm like, there's one chair, but she does not want me sitting in it. And I don't know what to do with myself. And so like, I stood there and she was like, Uh, so finally I was like okay fine I'm out I'm out and I turned around I walked out and I went back into the room where there was the prayer stations and I was like I guess I'll do something so I went over to one of the stations that I hadn't gone to and it was this piece of fabric that was draped there hanging and uh, it had some notes about the woman with the issue of blood and so what they, what the note said is, you know, write down on this um, post-it or whatever, what it is that you need healed from, and lay it here, and then grab hold of the fabric and ask Jesus to heal you. So if you don't know the story of the woman with the issue of blood from the Gospels, there's this woman who for over a decade had been made unclean uh, according to to their rules. Uh, because of bleeding which would make other people unclean so nobody wanted to be around her so she had been lonely for about 10 to 12 years by herself isolated kicked out pushed away and on top of that she spent all her money trying to get healed because living like that is not fun right None, none of us would want that so she's broke She's lonely. I can imagine she would connect with Malachi when he says, you say you've never changed, you've never gone away, then why does it feel like I'm the only one who's doing anything here, right? And so she hears about Jesus. Uh, She doesn't have any money to give him, but he doesn't take money anyway, so that works. And so she, she crawls through the crowd when he's coming down the street. And she reaches out and she grabs a hold and all she can grab is like his cloak. And it says that she's immediately clean. She's immediately healed. And Jesus stops as soon as she touched. And in, I mean, it's so comical because right, like it's a crowd of people surrounding him. She like basically stumbled as her way there. Like he goes, who touched me? The disciples had to have been like, 3,000 people in the past five minutes. Like, for real, dude. Sometimes just get a clue. And he goes, no, I felt power go out of me. And so the crowd kind of parts, and she's, she's there. And Luke 8 tells us that it says, when the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble, and she fell to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So the paper at the station encouraged you to kneel and to ask God for what you wanted healing from. I don't remember what I wrote on the paper. It doesn't matter. I didn't have an obvious thing, but I felt like I had to follow the rules. And so I threw it onto the pile And then I knelt down and Like a well-meaning pile I looked at a couple of the ones on top They needed healing, that was real uh, Just not me So, I, But I kneel down And I grab a hold of this piece of fabric That's there And I'm like it, Oh and it's on a mirror So I can see everybody behind me So I'm super self-conscious at this point too so like all the things that are like just tripping me up i'm like you're making me work right now jesus way too hard so like but i'm there and i close my eyes and i grab a hold and i'm like okay what is going on and i just started saying kind of what was coming to my mind and it was jesus i feel dirty make me clean and i just kept repeating it i feel dirty make me clean I feel dirty. And I just kept repeating it. And then something weird happened. And like, I started to, like, feeling the Holy Spirit wasn't the weird thing. It was like, thing was, things were getting like taken out. But then I was being filled up as well. I wasn't just empty. And I felt like Jesus, like gave me the picture of the woman being picked up when she's shaking and nervous there. And He looked at me and he said, you're clean. Start saying that. And so I'm still on the ground, still with the mirror, with other people watching me, holding on to this thing. And I'm like, I'm clean. You've made me clean. And I just keep saying it, I don't know, five, 10 minutes. And I feel filled. And I reached a point where I was like, I'm good. I don't need to do this anymore. Like I I just feel right so I got up and I left and I went to the last session and I'm sitting by myself in this huge auditorium with nobody I know around me and I'm journaling and I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking God what all's going on and the speaker says something along the lines of it's not about your past it's not about your strategy to be used by God it's about you The goal is not for God to use you. The goal is you. You know, the Bible says that even when God's silent, he's not actually absent. Even when it feels like he's absent, he's still there and he's actually working. Even when we feel like he's far away, he's actually close enough that he can move in our lives. He hasn't actually gone anywhere. But friends, if we don't deal with these temptations, then I can tell you what comes next. Because the attitude that says, how have you loved us, leads quickly to a place of casually throwing away what God's offering to us. Which leads to saying, why am I the only one that's trying? Which leads to a place of just walking away from Jesus. But if we embrace Jesus... If we embrace his words to us, everything is different. You'll experience the truth of what he says in these verses. You'll see and experience the love of God. You'll see God as he truly is, and it'll drive you to worship because you know that he's never changed. You'll return to the arms of your father, acknowledging that even in times of silence, he is still moving towards you. On Tuesday, I went into the conference and I said, God, I want more. And if I would have known what the next 48 hours looked like, I probably would not have said it (laughs) because it was not pleasant. But here's what I know what was happening. God was getting me ready. He was getting me ready for more because I wasn't ready. I wasn't in a place where I could deal with that. It required work. But I knew at that point that I was ready by the end. And I knew that I was inside the party. That I had stepped across the threshold. That I was inside the space. I wasn't standing outside anymore. The last speaker, he, he also said, your testimony is from today. And when he said that, It reminded me of that awkward word from the dude I didn't know from the day before that said, tell your story. And I was like, oh, shoot, that was real. And I knew it. I knew at that point, honestly, um, that I needed to change what I was going to talk about today. And I knew that that was part of what Jesus was doing was that he was preparing me to come back and to be in this space and to be able to share my story, that that's part of what it was. Because Jesus wants to do something today. My story from this week is not prescriptive, so don't be worried. I'm not saying these things are gonna happen to you. But I do believe that Jesus is inviting us into the party. And I know that many of us have stood on the outside and we've tried really hard to get as close as we can without risking anything by going actually inside. And yet Jesus is holding open the door and saying, come on in. He's here. He loves us. So I'll ask you, do you want more of Jesus today? Malachi and still today God is saying I have always loved you. And the good news f- for us is this that all who are hunting for you Lord let them sing and be happy. Let them know who let them know what you're talking about what you're all about. Tell the world you're great and not quitting. And me I'm a mess. I'm nothing and I have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes, but God, don't put it off.